So we're back, um, episode four of Living by the Sword. We're continuing our our study of the patriarchs. Um, so last week we we got to um, Abraham, where he's he defeated the kings and rescued Lot. Um, and there was a spot that you wanted to go back and talk about um, the promise and what that actually means for the Gentiles. But I think before we get into that, like we want to start. Um, at the beginning of our podcast, letting our um, listeners know that kind of our, our reasoning behind the podcast outside of recording um, what God's teaching us and having a record of it. But we hope that as you listen, that you will understand that um, you can open your Bible and God will reveal it to you. And it can be no better way than to go to the source and the spirit and ask God to to teach you his word. We want others to know that you don't have to go to some schooling. You don't have to read a bunch of books. Um, but you can open the scriptures and trust God to, um, to teach you things in it. And, um, and then, of course, fellowshipping, as you and I have learned, has taught us a lot. Um, I, I can't imagine what it would be like the last couple of years of it, without the fellowship part of it. Because yeah. it's, it's, you know, it, it is the way it is meant to be. Um, you know, to find a group of guys... Find, I mean, ask God for it because He's the one who's going to do it. Yep. For somebody that you can, you can grow with, look at the Scripture, wrestle with it, be honest about it, and it's you know it's been great. Yeah, and don't take our word for it. Like we're we're putting down what God's teaching us, but we hope that you'll listen and that you'll open the Scriptures and you'll pray about it and you'll ask for God to reveal the truth. And then if you see something differently or you see something that um, you're like, wow, man, they talked about this, and can you believe this part? Then, then, you know, go on and comment or email us from the website and, and tell us because that's, that's part of the thing here is that the power of this podcast thing is that you can study the Word and we can be studying it together outside of this one moment that we're looking at it and then we can go back and study it and it can be used. And, um, and so our goal with Living by the Sword and putting it out there for others is that you will know that you can open it and that Kenny and I are probably some of the dumbest people you'll meet and yet we have been given revelation in it because, and we know it's from God because if it wasn't, we wouldn't get it. I mean, if you ask me to analyze Shakespeare, not going to happen. You know, ask me to read something basic, it's not really going to happen. But for some reason, with the I'm scriptures, glad we're, we're speaking and not spelling right now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I did use the word symbology, and you did think it was a word. Well, that means you're just stupid, or right? Right. So dumb, dumber. But I do want to point out too, the the way that we every all the information we have from the scripture that we will uh, talk about does not come from commentaries or any other books. And, and it's not that that stuff is, is you know, bad we, to look at every once in a while, but I think it is extremely bad to rely on. Yeah. And we, it, it is simply from going to the word, I mean, do you know, putting the work into it. I mean, it does require time and you don't always get stuff out of the time. But all of it comes from revelation straight from the Word. And, and usually it's, it's pretty clear because all we're, we're going from Scripture to Scripture. You know, that'll well, I think you gave a really good analogy once where you said, you know, we can, you don't want a paint-by-numbers from somebody else to understand a Picasso or something. Like, you want to come to it with a clean slate, a blank canvas, and let God paint the picture for you. So a lot of times... And you know, with me, like, and you'll you'll hear it as we study these characters, because I came I came to him with this, 
you know, notion of whatever was taught, told to me in a Sunday school class. And though those people have a serious heart for God, it's, it's a relationship and it, I wasn't going to it. And now I look back and realize that there are a lot of things that get, that get misunderstood and that seem so simple, but have a grand impact. So going to it and, and reading the story as it is written in the word is, I think, a very important piece to that. Um, and so, and you're right, you're going to be times where we're looking at it and you're just like, well, man, how do I apply this? Or I don't understand. And being honest with God about it, I think, or I know is key. But at the same time, you'll, I've realized that a year later, something in that moment will come up in a study then. And I'll realize, wow, God was teaching me something in it. I just didn't get a, this instant gratification from it. Um, but like anything that we pursue, um, if we really want to find truth and we seek it and ask God to open our eyes, he, uh, he does honor it. It's just maybe we don't see what we expect to see. Yeah. It's all in his time too. Yeah. So, um, all right. Um, going back to last week. So sometimes you're going to hear us, um, you know, we go back and listen to these of course and, uh, realize, man, I wish I would kind of miss this or that or, um, and so Kenny and I were talking, and, and there was a part that you talked about, Kenny, in Genesis 12 that you kind of wanted to go back in the first part of Abraham. Yeah, we, we talked about the uh, when God called Abraham out and uh, the the promise that was given and the blessing. And I realized that we missed, uh, we didn't touch on, I don't think, a, a very, very uh, awesome and powerful part of that is in chapter 12, verse 3, when... Uh, the Lord is telling Abraham that he says, well, I'll just read the whole uh, thing that he tells him in verse two. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And the, the fact that that last part, all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Galatians reveals that that is the gospel being announced ahead to Abraham. Mm -hmm. And, you know, to, to sum that up is that this isn't a, a general, like, money blessing or, or anything like that. When you go to Galatians 3, um, 8, or starting in 7, I guess, or 6. Yeah, 6. Uh, it says that, Consider Abraham, he believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness, which we will get into uh later I believe understand then that those who believe who believe are children of Abraham the scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham all nations will be blessed through you so that those who have faith are blessed along with Abraham the man of faith now it does say nations here and the other is peoples but it's the same thing it's not it's not going to be strictly for the the Jew the Jewish race, right? Small peoples. And to really soak that scripture in, that he announced the gospel to Abraham in advance, is deep. There's a lot to that. Right. I mean, the understanding that the, the gospel is not, that the fact that Christ was going to come and die for all mankind was not uh, something that was like a recalculating of God as things went on. And then this just came out of, like, he decided to do this. It's, right. it's absolutely what we've been talking about. This is told about from the beginning. And it's, it's leading somewhere. So. 
that's pretty much it. Cool. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's really awesome. And there's another part we're gonna see later where where um, when we get into that Galatian stuff where it talks about seed versus seeds, and there's a lot of things that were said to Abraham that not only were announcing the gospel to him, but as we read it, this is God's word that went out, and we have it in written form. He is announcing it to you and I when right. we read it. And that's uh, through the things that he told Abraham, Abraham right. are were told to him so they could teach us about what what God did, you know, for us and the plan and everything. It's awesome. And it's not like uh, these guys were supposed to go along in the Old Testament and not talk about God outside of their their Jewish circles, you right. know. I mean, we we've seen it already where God is using this this thing with Sarah that we talked about last week to sh to put a fear into Pharaoh. I mean, that's that's Hey, this God's real, and we see it later on with like uh, the con the consuming fires and all that kind of stuff. So, um, I think it's neat that right from the front, God is showing that He's um, He's here for for all people, all nations and peoples will be blessed through Abraham. So it's like everyone calls him Father Abraham. You think of it from the Jewish perspective, and it's like wow, they they all go back to Abraham, but really, all nations and all believers go back to this right. moment. It's pretty pretty huge. So, uh, all right, so um, Melchizedek. Um, last week we got to the end of the, in, so Abraham comes on the scene with 318 men, he rescues Lot, and, um, and so we're in chapter 14 of Genesis, uh, verse 17. Um, you want to uh, read, read this section? <laughs> yeah, I can read it. Verse 17, after Abram returned from defeating Ketelamur and the kings allied with him, the king of Sodom came out to meet him in the valley of Shava, Shava, that is the king's valley. Uh, then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God Most High, and he blessed Abram, saying, Blessed be Abram by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High, who delivered your enemies into your hand. Then Abram gave him a tenth of everything. The king of Sodom said to Abram, Give me the people and keep the goods for yourself. Mm. But Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have raised my hand to the Lord God most high, creator of heaven and earth, and have taken an oath that I will accept nothing belonging to you. Or even, well, I guess I'm kind of going too far, aren't I? Mm, I'm going to finish, that's it for this chapter. All right. A thread or a thong of a sandal, so that you will never be able to say, I made Abram rich. I will accept nothing but what my men have eaten, and the share that belongs to the men who went with me. To Aner, Eskal, and Mamre, let them have their share. So Melchizedek is uh, is seems to be a mysterious guy, especially up front. And uh, I will say ahead of time that this is very deep. And you and I, I mean, um, I don't want to speak for you, but I know that God has shown a lot in this, and it's um, and yet I I feel like I'm just kind of like treading water in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. Like I've got an idea, and He's shown me some stuff that feels really really powerful and it's Melchizedek is an awesome character that we can we can see what God is doing here with the two orders and we'll get into that but in no way is this an extensive closed book thing when we're when it's said and done what we're talking about I mean right. this is something I feel like we could study every day for the rest of our lives yeah absolutely I feel like I'm prepared to fumble around with this right now yeah and and do not even feel uh worthy of 
taking it deeper. You know? How, however, on the surface, I would say that a lot of a lot of the things that people say about Melchizedek, they get wrapped up in the ten percent thing and the fact that Melchizedek is people believe he's Jesus or God, and I think that and I hope um, with it, um, Lord willing that by the end of this podcast um, we can kind of lay out through the scriptures. The answers to those two things. Yeah, and and, it, and Melchizedek is very mysterious, and and therefore, that's why you, you see so many different opinions about him. But and most people will say I've heard a lot of people say, well, there's not a lot about him. But the truth is, there is a lot about Melchizedek. A ton, a ton. Yeah. So, um, kind of how we thought we'd get started here is uh, well, it's interesting right up front that um, verse eighteen. Now, then Melchizedek. King of Salem brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God Most High, and he blessed, blessed Abram. Um, pretty interesting, bread and wine. Yeah, I mean, right off the bat, you you see uh, the foreshadowing of what's to come in in the gospel, and the, the bread and wine throughout the scriptures are. Uh, extremely important. I mean, people would look at this and say, in that time period, they represented, you know, uh, prosperity and, and this and that. But the truth is, to us, and in, in the entire perspective of the scripture, the bread represents the, the word and the flesh of Christ, and the wine represents the salvation through the blood and the blood of Christ. I mean, this, when we look at the fact that the, the, um, king of righteousness brings out bread and wine. We 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 look at it in the the perspective of the entirety of the Bible, and we we look at it with Christ at the last Last Supper, teaching us about it. Yeah, does that make sense? Right. No, it makes total sense. And I and I and those two being paired together, we have to understand that God created the bread and He created the wine to teach us about him for his glory and for what Jesus was coming to do. And we see it all throughout the Old Testament with the with the um, the Israelites where God provides the bread from heaven. And and most people will agree with what bread represents in the scripture and what wine represents. And so, you know, from him doing that right from the start, I, I think is making a very clear statement that he follows the same God up front. Right. Mm -hmm. And then of course he he shows that um, when he, he says, Blessed be Abram by God most high, creator of heaven and earth, and blessed be God most high who delivered your enemies into your hand. So obviously he comes out to Abram and it's like, hey, same God here. Yeah. We follow the same God. It had to be very strengthening to Abram as well. Yeah. I mean, that's... Because at this point, I mean, he's left his land and he's followed God and then he's been the kind of the example. But now he is like, from what we can tell, the first time he meets someone who follows the same God as him, Especially outside of his own land, right? And and then and then you see Abram uh, refer to God to uh, King of so uh, Sodom in the same way. Um, I have raised my hand to the Lord God of Most High, Creator of heaven and earth. That's the same thing Melchizedek said. You know, it's like it's pretty cool to see that. Oh yeah, it's a good point. Right after they talked. Okay. All right. You know. You know. On the surface, I don't want to miss the fact that Abram. And Melchizedek are sitting down to have some good wine and drink some or eat some bread. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, a lot of growing up in a church that might have said this, you know, 
that could be grape juice and wine's not the same but I think as we'll see with lot later that that wine may be even stronger than the wine that we know of today <laughs> this um, is true because we have laws to, con to uh, control the amount of alcohol in our wines but um, yeah that's that's pretty interesting um, so well um, we're gonna I think now's a good time to, to play the piece that we have so we've looked at this section before in a men's study and um, this men's study uh, is men in the word it's also on the same website that we put living by the sword on and it's a group of guys that meet here uh, in Charleston and study the scriptures um, just with the scriptures and um, we've been meeting for uh, more than a year and a half now and um, we're still in Genesis and we're very proud of that but so we're going to play some pieces from it because I feel like we, this Melchizedek thing has uh, a lot of questions come up and people have studied and looked at it differently. And so we don't want to just hide what we have heard. Um, you know, obviously you and I are going to tackle some of those same things because they did come up when we were in the study. But this was back in um, April, about a year ago, mm -hmm. about a year ago. And um, so we're going to play the first part. A friend of ours, Brian, kind of says, all right, I don't really know who this Melchizedek guy is, but I've looked at the Hebrew scriptures and some other things, and um, here are some of my thoughts. So we're going to share this with you and listen to it, and then what we'll do you talk got? about it after. Oh, uh, man, I, this is, I'm sorry. I was looking over some stuff. It's just the whole purpose. I don't understand the guy. I don't understand Melchizedek all that well, but just looking over Hebrews 7. You're in just, the right place. What? You're in the right place. Okay. You're just looking over it. Melchizedek was created for the sole purpose to change the law. And by that I mean if you look at if you look at seven, if you look at uh, starting from eleven, you know, down pretty much to the end of the chapter, it talks about uh, well eleven through just sixteen even, seventeen. Um, it talks about how Melchizedek was different because Melchizedek, first of all, was before Aaron, and Aaron is the first high priest. So he was born in the tribe of Levi. Melchizedek had no tribe. So he had no ancestry. Jesus came from the tribe of Judah. So therefore, by law, he could not be a priest. He couldn't be a high priest. Mm -hmm. So what they had, what, what, what they, what God had to create was a way that Jesus could establish himself as a high priest. And basically what he's saying is, is that by creating, I don't know, I guess a different order, that it's an order of perfection, I guess. I, I'm, I'm just kind of making this up as I go from what I read. But it seems like an order of perfection. And that's how Christ that's is able right. to enter that order of perfection. And when you get into it, it talks a little bit more. Uh, if you read in chapter, let's see, uh, verses 23. Now there have been many of those priests since death prevented them from continuing in the office. But because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. And so that's the order of Melchizedek. And therefore he was able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. So basically what it is, is is what it was was in the old days, a priest, and we even read it before, a priest would offer up to God a sacrifice. And that sacrifice would be for himself and for his people. And the problem was is that that priesthood, eventually those priests are going to die. And so they are limited by what they have, their human limits. There's so an important Christ, point, I don't mean to interrupt, but there's an important point that you're saying right there. When the priests give it, it was just a covering of sins. It wasn't the forgiveness of sins. Right, So, but my point is, is that, so when you take that, 
like they couldn't keep doing it forever. So when you have, so you, you have Christ come along, and so now he's he basically can permanently intercede for, I mean, eternity. So it puts him in a separate place than a normal tribe of Levi priest. The power of indestructible life. There you go. That's and who, exactly who, what who was the indestructible life? Christ. Right. So that's, but that's what I'm saying is, is, is Melchizedek had to be created to, am I like figuring this out like new? No, no, it's uh, a, uh, no, I'm loving it. Uh, yeah, I'm like, you're doing a good job laying guy's it like out. flirting with me. Go ahead. He's flirting with me too. What? It's <laughs> weird. Is he under the table? He just winked at me. I feel no, so go ahead. Um, <laughs> I don't want to interrupt. This is awesome because. Yeah, keep going. So he doesn't. So, because he offered himself as a sacrifice and then lived forever, he doesn't have to continuously offer sacrifices. So, by by, by creating the order of Melchizedek, it says this is a perfect order. This is a change in law, and it says that previously. So, it's a change in law, and now the law is not the power, not the power, of that, not the law created under uh, Moses and Aaron. It's now the law of Christ and the order of Melchizedek, which is the perfect law, which is the law of fallen Christ, ordained so by God, ordained by God. So and that's the way I read it. And I have no idea who Melchizedek is still, but that's what I got. But it, why is he there? Why isn't the Old Testament like? I know that Kenny's got stuff on this, but like that, I we talked about this beforehand, and this is my segue into you. That's why I'm saying this. Yeah, is I said, why is why is Melchizedek in the Old Testament? Like. He, I mean, this is early, man. This even, is this is Abraham. Even, even even a better question: Why is he before the law? So, um, first off, I really like the way uh, Brian's honesty in it. He's like, I just don't get the guy, and then, but yet he he works through it. I, I do have to say, and I should have probably said this before, but we are in a restaurant, and people probably picked up on that, like you were saying. But um, so there is some background noise there, but. Um, I really, I mean, that that's what it's all about. Like, we're sitting down, we're coming together, and he's like, you know what, I don't totally get this guy. And then, like, halfway through it, you hear him say, um, am I figuring this out like you guys? Because it must have been written all over our face, and it was just really cool to, uh, that was a cool moment. I remember it like it was yesterday. Yeah, it was awesome. I mean, he, and Brian's has, he has such a uh, ability to gather information in his mind and put it out there, you yeah. know, in such a awesome order. Yeah. He's the smart guy of the group. Yes, he is. For sure. Soon to be an astronaut. Yes. Our future astronaut. <laughs> so, um, all right. So, let's get into, he, he laid out like the two orders, which we're going to get to. But I'd say first off, who is this Melchizedek guy? And I, I think that um, for me, starting in Hebrews chapter 7, um, is going to give us an idea. So, we know from Genesis that it says he's the king of Salem. So we go to Hebrews, starting in chapter 7, and we get a little more of that. It says, uh, beginning in verse 1, This Melchizedek was king of Salem and priest of God Most High. He met Abraham returning from the defeat of the kings and blessed him, and Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. First, his name means king of righteousness. Then also, king of Salem means king of peace. Without father or mother, without genealogy, without beginning of days or end of life, like the Son of God, he remains a priest forever. So, up front, he's a king of righteousness, he's a king of Salem, and he's a king of peace. And was Salem wasn't one of the countries named in the in the kings, was it? The Battle of the Kings? No, I, I think, actually, some people think it's like Jerusalem, you know, because it's, right. it's the Salem part after that. But it's, 
It's not in the list. There's a lot of speculation, and look, Melchizedek is so mysterious, nobody knows anything about that. And and that's intentional, right? Right. It's very intentional. I think that what we're going to talk about, you know, is very important that it was intentional that Melchizedek was very mysterious. Yeah. I mean, reading that, you can see why, at first glance, a lot of people might think, well, this, this, this sounds like a god, right. you know? Um, in that, the uh, verse, uh, where does it say, like the Son of God? Um, uh, the okay, final yeah. Verse 3, without father and mother, without genealogy, without beginning of days, he's like the Son of God, he remains a priest forever. That's 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 the most mysterious uh, verse. You want to tackle that one? First? Well, I mean, up front, I think it, well, we know he's not the Son of God. Right. Because it says he's like the Son of God, so he's not going to, if he was the Son of God, then he wouldn't be like him, he would be him, right? Right. I mean, just simple. I mean, that, that. Grammar. That's a big, that's a big thing. I mean, that. I don't. I've never seen in the scripture uh, Jesus called like Jesus, or like the son. <laughs> or I've never seen God called. He's I'm, like God. I know a guy named Kenny, and he's kind of like this other guy. Can but you, I'm not you know, Kenny. You're not. Yeah, you're like Kenny. Don't Smith. confuse. Yeah. yeah. So, well, I mean, some people say I'm like. Well, never mind. You got along. All right. So we can say he's not the son of God. So then some people say, well, is he God? Right? Right. So, can God be, is God going to be his own priest? So, all right, so stepping back, what are what are priests? Brian kind of talked about it. Priests in the order of Levi, mm-hmm. who, um, probably should have already turned to that in my notes, but, so Levi is the... Would it be uh, called or, order of Aaron in Hebrews? But it it's the Levitical, the Levitical law, right. right? So, Levi is... Um, Oh wait, I think there's some stuff here on the bread and wine. So, but but Levi is this, this guy who um, was he? He was the brother of. Um, he was one. Of the, he was one of the twelve right tribes and under Isaac, under Isaac, Jacob, uh, under Jacob. Yeah. yeah. So Levi is the one that God um, ordained that the priests would come through. Right. So Moses was a Levite. Aaron was a Levite too. Right. right. They were brothers and then So um so priests then were those who would kind of intercede for the the Jews, the Israelites, and would offer a sacrifice for their sins and then for the sins of those for the Israelites, right? Yes. And that, yeah. To cover their sins, but it was a temporary covering because it's not it's not perfect, it's not final until Jesus comes and offers. And that's what Brian was kind of talking about. Yeah, and I think this would be a good point to read this one scripture real quick about what you're talking about in, ver- in chapter 9 um, it, of Hebrews. It says, um, actually, is it, there's one that says it was ceremonial washing. Okay. Sorry, caught me off guard with that one. No, okay, here not. it is. It's in it's in uh, chapter nine, verse ten. Um, well, I'll start in six. When everything, uh, well, the whole this whole chapter. Look, if you're if you're listening and you're interested, read Hebrews, read it, and I mean, you know, I would say even pause it right now. Yes, and, and before you listen to what we're laying out, and go read go read Hebrews, especially four through twelve, as you're talking about this, like. Don't, uh, you know, yeah. And one of the things we're going to have a hard time with is getting lost in 
the amount of scriptures that have to be digested to you you know to, to taken in and just feed on them and and you know soak them in so uh, about the Levitical law that you're talking about God reveals that in in chapter nine verse ten I'll, I'm going to sum up what he talks about tabernacle tabernacle worship and all that they are only a matter of food and drink and various ceremonial washings external regulations implying until the time of the new order okay so I'm just tagging off what you just said that that they had to keep making the sacrifices um, because they never truly took the sin away right right and and that God even reveals that these things were ceremonial washings until the the true sacrifice was going to be made that would you know, take all of the sin away and totally fulfill it. Yeah, and, it, and if you keep reading, it'll even talk about that those sacrifices were an outwardly covering, whereas Christ comes and it's an, a total covering, an inward of the heart. Right. You're done. He take, he, he, is, he does it. Um, okay. Um, so. All right, right. Really got sidetracked with that. Where were we? <laughs> That's whatever, the Kenny, Whatever. This. Yeah. That was your all right, fault. So, um, all right, so we're, we're talk, we were talking about the fact that Melchizedek is not, he's like the Son of God, so he's not the Son of God. We're tackling this question like that Brian posed at the end, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, can he, be, can he be God? Well, he's the priest of God Most High. So we just laid out, when we're talking about priest, what we're talking about with, with, when we just see the word priest. Right. So to me, that kind of closes the book on that one. He's not God. Right. God doesn't need a priest he doesn't sin. He's perfect. He's the creator of all things. Yeah, and, and and also Aaron, I mean, even if you would say, well, who's over the order of Aaron, which Hebrews lays out? There's the order of Melchizedek, the order of Aaron. Well, God's over it all. Right. You, you know what I mean? Aaron is not the God of the order of Aaron. Just, you know, it... Just yeah. like Melchizedek is not the God of the order of Melchizedek. That's right. why it's... You know, you... that. So, the, I think we ought to look at the verse where it says, without father or mother, without genealogy now, without the beginning of days or end of life, like the Son of God, he remains a priest forever. So what, what does that mean? Without father or mother, without genealogy, and without beginning of days or end of life. Okay. I think, I think making those um, less mysterious will also, you know, show who Melchizedek is. Um, I, I think that Brian laid out the fact in that excerpt that Melchizedek could not come from one of the tribes of Levi, or he could not come from the tribe of Levi. He, he was not from a tribe. He, uh, he's outside of the, that creation of the 12 tribes, outside of creation of the Levitical order, and so on. So, what happens is that you cannot be a priest in a Levitical tribe without tracing your descendants back to Levi. Right. Um, it's a, it is a legal, it is by law that you become a priest. Right? And in this order, this order is not by law, it's by faith. It's by grace. So he's without father or mother because he doesn't, trace his descendants back because he's now a child of God. He's now a son of God 
just like we're sons of God, you know, through Christ. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I think um, we see it in Hebrews. It talks about, um, it refers to that line, that order through Moses, through the Levitical law, as um, it being a priest on the basis of regulation as Mm, to ancestry. Whereas Melchizedek is on the basis of the power of indestructible life because he's separate from that. Okay. And then, of course, we you heard that in the thing with Brian, well, the indestructible life is only one of those, and that's that's Christ, right? Right, okay. Um, yeah, that's it. That's the that's the key verse to that. And um, that's looking in chapter 7 again. Um, uh, let's start in verse 14. For it is clear that our Lord descended from Judah, and in regard to the tribe, Moses said nothing about priests. And what we have said is even more clear if another priest like Melchizedek appears, one who has become a priest not on the basis of a regulation as to his ancestry, but on the basis of the power of indestructible life. For it is declared, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. The former regulation is set aside because it was weak and useless, for the law made nothing perfect, and a better hope is introduced by which we draw near to God. So, um... So that lays out perfectly the fact that uh, why Melchizedek could not be within that tribe, right? And and why he didn't have to be. It, it's through the power of the indestructible life, which was Christ. Yeah, and I and I picture it too. Like if we knew, we know he's, we know that he's, he gives, he's getting these titles of King of Salem and 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 that kind of thing. But he's King of Righteousness and and King of Peace. And what's interesting about that is, like we know where does righteousness come from. Yeah. Where does peace come from? Right? It's not one tribe or one thing. God created them and they come through God. And we receive them because of Christ. We are credited with these things because Christ died and became the ultimate sacrifice. So I picture it just even on a superficial level. It's like if we knew where this guy really came from, then we would end up worshiping them. And we'd be like, well, I, you know, we tra- people would be trying to trace their ancestry through the tribe of whatever. Right. When that wasn't the point of Melchizedek. The point is, is that before the law even comes... We have this meeting of our father as believers, you know, being descendants of Abraham through the promise that God gave him. And then the means of that promise comes through this order that is outside of that law. And, and it's a foreshadowing, too. It's a shadow of God is going, he has to, it's got to be mysterious and supernatural. Right. And, and that's what's going on here. He's proclaiming the gospel, which we know he announced in advance to Abraham, like we talked about in Galatians. But in this moment, so it's like he defeats all these these earthly kings. Like, I think you you either said it in the when we had the men study, or maybe you mentioned it last week. But when he defeats these kings, I mean, Abraham essentially would have controlled the known world. Right. I mean, we just had everyone in this major area of the world, the center of what we can read is the pretty much the center of the world. He just beat every. He rescued one half, and by defeating the other half, so here he is with the possibility to be like the man. And and here and then we've got this moment of like humility and just going, all right, he came to rescue Lot, and then and here comes Melchizedek. I mean, it's like it's pretty pretty interesting to think about. So I don't know if any of that makes sense. It's strategically, kind of, I mean, no Melchizedek coming on the scene at that moment, you know, yeah, right when he had all that stuff and he did that. So so it calls him a high priest, and then um, and then we get into especially in Hebrews this. Um, you know, Jesus being in that order, well, we know what that order is now, right? It's uh, it's from God. Yeah, and, and <clears throat> I want to make it clear. 
you know, Christ, and we need to go to that scripture. Well, yeah. let, let, me, uh, let me read something else. So Melchizedek is a man, and Melchizedek is the church. I mean, that's what's going on here. That's why he's carrying the bread and the wine. It, Melchizedek looks like Christ. The reason why so many people think he is Jesus is because isn't the church supposed to look like Jesus in a way too, you know? Right. So this is the order that we are in now as believers. Right. And and Revelation says that the the mystery of God, what he's done here was to create a kingdom of priests to serve him. And that's mm-hmm. exactly what a believer does is he carries the bread and the blood of Christ, the word and the the blood that I mean when when Christ allows him to and he he tries to give it out. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, you carry it and you like take, you know, eat eat of this, drink of this. And it's exactly what Melchizedek is doing. And then John and the, it's so mysterious. He's without genealogy, which you just read in Hebrews of why it says that, but without beginning of days and end of life is like the son of God, a priest forever. Well, he's without beginning of days and end of life or end of days or however it says it because he is now through Christ eternal right Mm -hmm. and in john verse uh john chapter 3 uh verse 5 jesus is talking to nicodemus Mm. and this is the uh this is when uh, nicodemus comes to him at night i believe and he asks him He asks him, how can a man... Okay, this is where Jesus says, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. How can a man be born when he is old? Nicodemus asks. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised by at my saying... You must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. That sounds just like Melchizedek to me. Um, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it is com- where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. That's interesting. So you can't tell their beginning of days. They have no end of life. They have no traces, you know, uh, genealogy back to uh, why they're legally allowed to, to be a priest for God. Right. They're just mysterious. And they're born again. So it's without beginning of days almost because that's, that's something known only to God. You know, it's... I don't know if that makes sense tying it into it, but I see... The fact that Jesus tells Nicodemus um, that he should know it too, for one thing. Yeah. Right. So where would he have learned that? Well, Jesus hasn't been resurrected yet, right? So his this order through him hasn't been fully declared, like we we would see. I mean, he's still he's still there. If that makes any sense. So yeah. He's talking about. It, he's like, well, you should know it as a teacher of the law. Well, the only thing he has is the Old Testament, right? Yeah, it's so, like, why are you surprised at this? He should see, this is another example of maybe what he should have seen in it, because it's there. <laughs> kind of interesting, I wonder if anybody made a connection 
I mean, I'm sure they did later. Obviously, they did later. But the disciples, when he brought out the bread and wine, like, I mean, knowing what the, the, the amount that would have been studied in the law, like, that would have been like, bam, like, where do we see this? The first time we see it was Melchizedek, bread right. and wine. So, very intentional, obviously. And then, okay, so I didn't mean to throw you off track with that one. It's, no, you didn't. Uh, that was, that was... I, I think it's very, it's kind of a hard thing to swallow until you see it, but I totally believe you're right in, in looking at the scriptures and that we fall in this order now, and through the Spirit, we can represent Christ. I'm not saying we're at the level of Christ, and we're, but it's, the scriptures are telling us to, that He, through His Spirit, He will, he will use us, and we should be, we, we would fall in that order. Uh, Abraham's also. Right. Mm, absolutely. Which is, it, it's hard. It's so hard to, to, to see. And, um, but at the same time, it, it's, uh, Hebrews seems to be pretty clear on it. I mean, this, this section is really meaty. Well, I mean, the, the fact that he's the, I mean, the way I see Melchizedek is he is the church is very hard for people to, uh, um, under, you know, like it's hard to grasp because we, we don't, we look at it so linear. We don't look at it as God's perspective of this was his plan from the beginning. So a couple scriptures that really, um, reveal, uh, the fact that this is a very planned thing that is taking place, um, in Revelation calls Jesus the lamb that was slain from the creation of the world, which we've talked about when God created us, he knew what he was going to be, had to, he knew what he was going to have to do for us. Right. When he created everything, everything. and its nature, he knew what he was going to do. And, and with what you talk about, um, yeah. how, when, what, I was just going to say, I, th- I think uh, down the road we're going to do a, a couple podcasts on that, where the nature of things are are created to demonstrate God and not, we've talked about it before and I may take us off track for a second, but where it's like, well, he, he talks about the water and never being thirsty. And it's not like he was like, Oh, water's got these characteristics. How, how convenient that I created this way. So let me use an example. No, he created water and because he, for the purpose of which he gives us the example. So for us to be thirsty and to know what true thirst is, most of us, especially in America, probably have no idea. Um, I, my only thing I can relate to it is being at military training and just craving water because your body is like 70% water. But, um, you know, it's just That's knowing that. That's not fact. But yeah. <laughs> but what he, in, in all of creation, he's pointing to this, to his glory, to his, to this redemption story. And so, like you're saying, is that we know that that Jesus is before, I think uh, even in a recent sermon with uh, Matt Chandler that we listened to, he said, it's not like God and the Holy Spirit were sitting around and we're like, you know what, sounds kind of cliche, but I think we should make us a son. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, it, it was it was before, he was before all this. Right. So anyways, that, that may be a little off track, but it's kind no, of... No, it's, it's right on track. It, it, it's very interesting to think about when God uses an example in the scriptures of something within nature and, and its characteristic to know that he made it that way for this purpose. And it changes the way we should look at it. I mean, it does for me, at least. Yeah, I mean, thinking about bread, bread without yeast and, and what yeast comes to represent and wine. Like he did that for his glory 
And I believe out of his grace to give us something that we still have taste buds, even though we could take those away, and to give us wine, there's, I mean, enjoying a good glass of wine is an amazing thing. Um, not amazing compared to God amazing, but it gives us a, it just, it's just another taste or piece of him, in, and it teaches us. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, I mean, the fact that he, he chose the lamb, I mean, he created the lamb the way he did. Yeah. And, and everything that he, I mean, the Passover lamb. From the beginning, it's not like all of a sudden he's like, oh, I give that, you know, I give that Passover lamb thing all that time back. I think I'll go ahead and make Christ the Passover lamb because yeah. it, it fits well. I mean, so it's, you know, the point is, is that nothing surprises God. This plan has been set in motion from the beginning. Ephesians says that he chose us in him before the creation of the world. That tells me that when he, the first picture it's not the first picture because the, the Gospel of John actually gives us uh, even pre mm-hmm. prequel to Genesis, but the Spirit hovering over the water, you know, he, he says, let there be light. He knows all that's going to take place. He knows our names. Yeah. And he chooses, I mean, you, you talk about how if he, if, he chose, if he chose us in him before the creation of the world, then he chose to die for us. Before the creation of the world, right? Which which even goes back to that we can prove that in the garden when he curses us to the dust, and and he gives the prophecy about he will crush the head of the serpent. Well, he's right. talking about Christ. I mean, he he is he is condemning you know Christ, the Son of God, to the to die on right. the cross for by us. giving his death. He's paving the way for Christ to save us. Right. So I mean, the, it's incredible. And and Christ was in the garden. He he. I mean, it's deep, but when you look at it, he's the tree. He's the tree of life, yeah, and, and it, he's hung on the tree as as in, and consumes a curse, as Peter talks about, and all of that connects because he he is the tree of life. He is who we go to, um, and just from a science perspective, it is kind of interesting that our brain develops from the back to the front, and the um, uh, that part of the brain, the cerebellum is often referred to as uh, like a tree of life. It looks like a tree. So yeah. it's kind of cool. I think God is even in that. You know, like, hmm. I don't know. But anyways, kind That's of a nerdy off, off, off thing. You're and it's the core of our vision. It's what we see when we, when we see with our eyes. <laughs> yeah. Well, a tree of life swallow gives sight, one. right? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I just swallowed it. Yeah. <laughs> and now you're going to throw it back up. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it, 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 that is... If, especially for someone listening that maybe maybe a young Christian or not, that is the foundation of our faith to know that that all God knows how this is going to play out. He knows the end. He knows he knows the he knows our very thoughts. It's a scary thing before we even think them. I mean, that's in the scriptures. Yeah, he knows and, the heart of man. Yeah, man doesn't even know his own heart. Yeah, and so it's uh, you know we have to realize that his sovereignty is that great. Yet, he he works in the lives of men, and he and he, we live a life that can be glorifying to him through action. So here's Abraham, and this crossroads, um, and and there's just so much in it. But I, I mean, I, so let's get back to your point. So we we're we're talking about before Abraham, I am right. 
Yeah, you have that. You have. A yeah, verse that's there, in John you? eight. Um, and I, I do want to say that your verse that you talk about is John one one. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The right? prequel to Genesis. Right. right. So that that's that's truly the beginning of what we know of as um, our world. But it's um, it's Jesus talking uh, talking to the Jews, and and they say you're not yet fifty years old. Um, the Jews said to him, and you have seen Abraham. This is John 8, and then in 58 he says, I tell you the truth, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. Um, and it, there's a scripture somewhere too where um, he says, uh, God says, it's in the Old Testament, and they ask him something and he says, like who you are, who are you or something, he says, mm -hmm. uh, it's from the I am, I am. Yeah, Moses. Yeah, <clears throat> that's right. Acts, ask. <laughs> that happens. <laughs> Moses asks if you know, <laughs> that was good. That's really good. Uh, it's when he when they say if when they ask where it comes from, right? The the who sent you? Yeah, and, and Moses, you. you know, Moses asks, well, if they ask who 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 is this God? God refers to himself as the God of Abraham, Isaac. Or no, he says, say that I am sent you. That's right. Right. So I when, am. So when Jesus you. is saying this, the Jews know that too. Right. So very, in that, yeah, he's claiming to be God, which is, you know, obviously the creator of the world. So Okay. And then your verse you were saying. Uh, well, that was it. That's what I had. Um, just, you know, the, the understanding that this, this was not a... Uh, surprise to God what was going to take place there mm -hmm. the, there was I mean the appointed time was to take place so right. Melchizedek very much being a picture of a believer that is outside of the genealogy and the order of the the Levites which was a, a you know seemingly the only way to righteousness was through the law which was just the opposite you know I mean Let's think about it for a second, too. Um, we can look at it and, and living in the latter times, meaning after Christ and, and having the scriptures like we have them. Abraham is, is worshipped. He, he's worshipped after this. And, and even to this day, amongst Jews, they, they follow the law, but they <coughs> you know, Abraham is, he is the pinnacle. He is Father Abraham. It's not Father Noah. It's not Father Adam. I mean, Abraham is... is the beginning and the foundation of their faith, which is, I mean, he's, he is for us in the sense of the way God describes being descendants of him. So it's like the law is given all this credit and the law comes and it's still followed by many, many, um, those that follow Judaism and all those things. But this is, this all occurs before the law and I don't want to lose sight of that. Right. And, and this is God, excuse me, almost giving us a, um, like a sign of the fact that the law is meant to still lead us to him, but it is not going to be sufficient. Right. I mean, yeah. I mean, it, and, and we, we will get into the, the circumcision, which is what Paul uses over and over to show mm -hmm. that the faith was before law. And, and there was circumcision of the heart, which was done through the hands of Christ of, of no merit of ourselves. I mean, obviously that right. is a, that is a gift, no matter what you do and who you are. You're never worthy of that. And then the physical outward circumcision is given, which is a commandment that brings death if you don't do it. So yeah. Abraham, it, it's funny. I, I know uh, we've met 
some uh, somebody um, that was very much like a, a grace, of, you know, all about grace church. And they were very afraid of talking about Abraham. Like to them, it just represented genealogy and legalism, you know, leading up mm. to the, you know, the, the gene, gene, the, the path through the, through the, uh, um, tracing back in the legalism. But Abraham is a picture of, of the faith aspect of it. Yeah. It, and he, but he also does follow the commandments. He's sure. very much faithful in following the commandments and passing it on. But the what's so awesome is how Melchizedek arrives on the scene out of nowhere before even the law is given, and and represents this this uh, outside of of all that's taking place. God has people elsewhere, and and that are that are his priests that yeah. are serving him, and the fact that. Hebrews, I mean, makes it even more confusing by saying Abraham giving him 10% was through Levi, who wasn't even born yet. I mean, that, man, I mean, it was confusing enough. Yeah. So I do, though, believe that, um, you know, there are often keys in these scriptures. And one of the keys here is this 10% connection. Mm -hmm. So the law hasn't come yet. And and Abraham, Abraham arrives, I mean, or Melchizedek arrives on the scene. Right, and um, and and then Abraham's response is to give him ten percent. Pretty interesting, and even today people try to take the ten percent and say, you know, that's that's you know, this verse is used for we're supposed to give ten percent, and what you often point out, which I think is really cool, is after that actually Abraham gives it all back. Right, so yeah. I mean, he gives ten percent to Melchizedek. I'm not ignoring that part, but I, there's a connection there, and it also talks about the lesser. Um, being blessed by the greater and those kind of things. And um, we tackle that in the men's study a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, and I think now's a good part to, uh, to to let's listen back in again and see kind of where we got with that, and then we'll talk about it after. Cool. Why did Abram give Melchizedek 10%? Why didn't he give him 15% or 5%? Because that was a law. But it hadn't been a law yet. But, right, but read, let's read... read uh, um, let's keep reading chapter right. 7. Like right. we, we left off at four. verse 4. Just think how great he was. Even the patriarch Abraham gave him a tenth of the plunder. Now the law requires the descendants of Levi. Now the law requires the descendants of Levi who become priests to collect a tenth from the people. That is, from their kindred. Even though their kindred are descended from Abraham. This man, however, did not trace his, descendant, his descent from Levi. Yet he collected a tenth from Abraham and blessed him who had the promises. And without doubt, the lesser is blessed by the greater. In the one case, the tenth is collected by those who die, but in the other case, by him who is declared to be living. One might even say that Levi, who collects the tenth, paid the tenth through Abraham, because when Melchizedek met Abram, Abraham, Levi was still in the body of his ancestor. So all of a sudden, what Abram did by giving ten percent, the author of Hebrews is now, God is saying, it's reckoned to Levi through law. If Abram would have given 15%, it, this scripture would not have been fulfilled because the law did not require 15% to be collected. If he would have given 5%, this scripture would not be fulfilled. He wouldn't be able to compare it to Levi giving it through the womb of Abram because they didn't require 5%, they required 10%. So Abram giving Melchizedek 10% show Levi the law the law gets 10%. This is showing 
the law and its purpose, the whole thing it's given for to carry the word to Christ is to serve the coming order of the church. It is not the church giving 10% to Christ. It is the law is given for the strict purpose that the kingdom of Christ will be ushered in and the new order will be, it'll be fulfilled and the new order will come. I'm not gonna get you know the part that threw me off for a long time? The part that said that the lesser was blessed by the greater, meaning Abram was lesser, Melchizedek was greater. That kind of threw me off a little bit. Then I started realizing that the part that it, it says that, um, it, it starts talking about Levi paying Abram through the womb of his ancestor. And the lesser, the law that led to death, that, that could not give righteousness to us trying to do it, that's the lesser was blessed by the greater, which would be the 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 order of it made made by the indestructible life of Christ. And that is also showing, the reason why that's there, is showing that everybody... Even the Levites who served God under the law still had to be saved by the blood of Christ, would be blessed by the order of Melchizedek. The whole, everybody who served in the order of Aaron did not attain perfection. The only way they attained perfection is by accepting Christ. When, when it came time for Christ to end that, to fulfill that, and become high priest of the new order, does that make any sense? There's only one name under heaven for men to be saved. All men on earth are saved by Christ. That means all of the Levitical law has to be blessed by this high priest of the order of Melchizedek, too. So, um, so that's good. We can kind of see from when we talked before about the way um, the tie and the 10% and the key and the lesser um, being blessed by the greater. Um, and I know that um, we, we were just talking about a good example um, as we were listening to that, that you brought up about John the Baptist being a true Levite. Yeah. In the sense that, I guess, um, his father and mother were both in the line of Levi. Right, and his father was serving, uh, was was picked to serve in the temple at the time when he even found out John was going to be born. Right. But then he, he ends up, and we'll read it, but he ends up preparing the way, fulfilling the prophecy. Um, which is exactly what the law did. Right, exactly, and then um, and then Jesus comes on and he says, "Well, I'm not even fit to, you know, carry his sandal." Right. The, you know, and so you've got the greater being blessing the lesser. Right. right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, so, it, it, continue with that thought because you you brought it up, and I mean, I know where you're going with it, but um, it's really cool to see that. I mean, that that's a cool thing just to before you kind of lay it out is to look at what the scriptures is that God has been gracious enough to give us like he's he's unchanging so we see an example in one way but he gives it to us like it's it's almost like like right now the olympics are really popular right so we see the the rings of the olympics and, and you can almost lay that through the scriptures and see that like god shows us here and then we see it again we see it again and it's the same nature and it's the same um prophecy and pointing to the the, the same glory that god is laying out in the same redemption story and we can see it and it overlays and it overlaps. And you can close that ring down and it's still the overall great narrative of the story is that God knew how it was going to end and he still is going to save us. But he's doing it because he loves us, even though we don't deserve it. But he also is doing it because his to show his glory because he is, 
he's amazing, right? So, anyways, that kind of takes off topic, but it's cool because you can see it. You see it again in John the Baptist. Yeah, it's it's uh you know God he says he's you know he makes known the beginning from the end. He absolutely does all throughout the scripture from the beginning, and you see the two orders meet before the order is even established. I mean, the descendants of Abraham are still just a promise. <laughs> right. And you've got, you know, God saying, look, I mean, to the Jews, this had to be very mysterious until, I mean, even more mysterious once David prophesied about it in the Psalms, which right. is where we get the order Melchizedek even spoke as an order, you know, spoken as an order is where uh, he prophesies, you know, you'll be a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Where, where is that at? In Psalm 110. Okay. <clears throat> Um, and that's so, even cooler to think about too, like all peoples, like, yeah, you know, and, and, I mean, yeah, all people that, that seemingly had to be, I bet that was kind of looked at as more of like a material, uh, thing before it was revealed that that meant salvation. You know what I mean? Right. Right. But I mean, it, you, you have the two orders meet, you have the greater, uh, blessing the lesser, um, and by no, you know, all means, how can we even look at Abraham as being lesser? He's so, he's such a great patriarch, a great man of the faith. Mm-hmm. And, and then you have another great man, another great man that is portrayed as the lesser, which is John the Baptist, who's, the scripture says, you know, of, of men born of woman, none have been greater, or Jesus says, uh, yeah. none, none have been greater than John the Baptist. And you've got... He, which which includes Abraham. That's true. <laughs> that, that's true. He yeah. and, and he comes prepare the way, uh, which is exactly what the law was there for. And and John the Baptist is uh, born from a Levite priest, and his mom is a true Levite as well. I mean, I think it's Luke that makes sure that that is uh, uh, made known. So, in the, I mean, and John almost represents this. Uh, while the, the, the priests were doing the temple worship, obviously it was not, um, God was not happy. I mean, how, how do I put this? You know, it, it was it was in the greed of men. I mean, Jesus points that out when he goes and he overturns the tables. And right. he he's constantly uh, pointing out the hypocrisy of, of the religious establishment there, which is... They're doing it in the name of what was established by God. And Jesus is saying, you've never even known God. Hmm. So John the Baptist comes on telling the Pharisees, don't say to yourself, you have Abraham as your father, because I'll raise up stones to be children of Abraham. So, I mean, John has this picture of of being the one anointed by God. You, you know? Yeah. And, and, and so you have a picture of this next meeting of the order of Aaron who John is from, holding the order of Melchizedek in the water, and, and the order of Aaron is saying, I'm not, even wor- I'm not worthy to do this. And right. Jesus says, the reason you're here, the reason the law is here, the reason the order of Aaron is here is to do this so all righteousness is fulfilled. Mm-hmm. And, and you have the two orders meet again right there in the, in the Jordan. I mean, yeah. and Jesus, who is going to become high priest of the order of Melchizedek, which puts Melchizedek under Jesus, if that makes, I mean, it's, it's just, it's, it's, uh, it's so perfect. It's so huge. Right. And you can think like it is deep. 
and and you gotta go again. Please go look at it. And and um, but yet there there's always you know, I think that you and I sometimes can be um, picked on a little bit about well, where's the application? Because a lot of times in today's especially in today's church and evangelicalism, we, we want, okay, well, how do I apply this to my life? And I will, I will say right up front, study the scriptures and the application will come into play. Like you, you don't, you don't go to it looking for the application right away. You don't have to, because God's going to lay it on your heart and you're going to sense it. And I, I, I cannot describe it with my measly words. I have experienced it. And, and there are people in my life right now who are, are asking questions about it or who have come to me and I never would have thought they would come to me for something and they say, well, and it, and it stems from this, this study of the word and not from throwing it in their face or anything I did, but because God's used it, that the application is not sometimes, just like some of the understanding, isn't something that is always visible until it happens and you're like, wow, God has been applying it in my life. But... Saying that, I see a little bit of an application too. If you step back from it is deep, it is heavy, and hopefully we're making sense. But when, um, in when John the Baptist and 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 I was looking in the Luke section, um, there is uh, so it says it gives the uh, in this section of Luke chapter three we get the a voice calling one in the desert, the Isaiah forty prophecy mm-hmm. of John the Baptist. And then there are these crowds that come out to, bab- to be baptized by him. And he says, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children from Abraham, for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that, cut, that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. What should we do then? The crowd asked. John answered in verse 11, chapter 3 of Luke. The man with two tunics should share with him who has none. The one who has food should do the same. So even in this greater blessing the lesser, there's this application that what you've been given can be used to bless those that in that within that context are lesser. Yeah. So in the grand oh, scheme of God, great. like the man with two tunics is no better than the man who has none. However, He's been given it, in, in that sense, he's greater to be able to bless the man with none. And it's like, I mean, that's the story of Jesus, too. I mean, that still adds to his credibility. And so we have the 10%, right, right. nowadays. But 10%, like, you can sit down and you can calculate it all you want. But following the heart of God and being led by him in a moment and realizing not counting what you have or what you don't have, but following that is another way to be you're not great. I mean, I don't want to get confused here. You're not greater than that person, but in the sense of what you have for that, there can be a greater and the lesser. And that's exactly what I mean, John is saying. The man with two tunics should share with him who has none, and the one who has food should do the same. Right. He's not saying uh, if your tunic is calculates 10% of your worth, then go ahead and share it. I mean, it, this is very much a, a heart matter right. that John is laying out, not a religious matter, you know. And then it says, so then uh, the text, uh, let me keep reading. So verse 12, tax collectors also came to be baptized. Teacher, they asked, what should we do? Don't collect any more than you are required, he told them. Then some soldiers asked him, and what should we do? And he replied, don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. 
Verse 15, the people were waiting expectantly and were all wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be the Christ. John answered them all. Now, so this is the spirit leading John. He can't know their hearts, Mm -hmm. you know. Right. I baptize you with water, but one more powerful than I will come, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to unite, untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire, with winning four kids at the hand. So he's saying, so the greater will bless the lesser. There's so so much in that, that. The fact that John ceremonially is washing people, Hebrews calls all of the temple worship ceremonial, hmm. ceremonial washing. Right. I mean, all of it. That I mean, it, it, it's just like the fact that this is all so connected is it, it's just too much for me to. Yeah, I mean, it's like even the fact that he's talking about the thong of whose sandal I'm not worthy to untie. I mean, we're we're talking about the order of Melchizedek, where uh, right after that, Abraham says. Uh, I won't even keep the thong of a sand or the thong of a sand sandal. You know what oh, I mean? Wow. Oh, yeah, it's just like it's, so many connections in this. And the word the word is 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 perfect and it's intentional because Jesus is the word. We are reading the word and the word, like we said before, John one one. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God. So we know that I mean, wow, man, that's cool. It was meant it was meant to be in our hands at this moment. To be a test, yeah. a testimony. I will accept nothing belonging to you, not even a thread or the thong of a sandal. That is intentional. Right. That is cool. And I mean, I'm I'm about to look at that, you know, a little bit more of it. So okay, Melchizedek, N- not Jesus, <clears throat> not God. A new order points us to Christ. A priest in the new order. A priest in the new order. Not the high priest of the new order. And an example to us of what we can now be through Christ. Right. Um, And showing what what about those who are pre-Jesus, so to say, outside of the Levitical law. Well, you know, Romans and other scriptures reveal... It has been from faith, it has been by faith from first to last. Hmm. So all who will ever be saved, they will never be saved through Levitical law. They will, Abraham was credited to righteousness by believing God, his faith. So the, it's the same. Enoch, by faith, all these guys, Moses was credited what he was credited through faith, not by following the law. And when, when God says... All nations will be blessed. It's as good as done. Right. That's it. It's it, his word is is it's happened. And he knew he you know he chose us before the creation of the world in Christ. Which I mean, what are we? It's incredible. Yeah. So we look at this and, and going back to the purpose behind all of this is that Abraham, in his life, the God of Abraham, what we've talked about last week and this week. There's so much more, um, but what we've talked about is when he says, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We're getting an idea now of the power behind that statement. I am the God of Abraham has already has huge implications. We've seen the gospel already. We've seen the, the saving of us to be spend eternity with God, the greatest reward we could ever have, getting back to the garden. We've seen it already, and we haven't even got to what it means with Isaac and Jacob, and it's going to continue to deepen. Yeah, we're not, I mean, we have so much more to do with Abraham. 
Yeah. What's he's not even Abraham yet. Yeah. He's still still, we're still we're still tuning with Abraham. Which I mean, point out here is that we can only brush this in a few of these. I mean, I mean the depth that is. I mean, I I look forward to studying Genesis for years to come. Yeah. And and asking God to reveal things. I mean, it's just it's been it is absolutely uh, my faith. Faith has been built inside of me by God through studying this word, right. through doing what we're doing right now. And and our goal here again is is just to strike a spark in it. You know, it's just to to get you to want to go and look at it and go, man, this is this is some deep and it is perfect. And if if you really want to know how we have we view the scriptures um, and what we tried to lay out, and we we look back and. Let's tell we're like, man, there was so much more that we've seen that we haven't even talked about. You know, our first couple episodes, we really get into the, the power behind the scriptures. Um, it's uh, it's cool stuff. And um, I would say, knock, knock. And you would say, who's there? I'd say, Abram. <laughs> Abram who? I'm a little nervous. Abraham. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I think uh, just wrapping it up, um, let's go into Hebrews, and and I I think this is a great way to to uh, finish before we roll into um into uh, thanking the Lord for our time is uh, Hebrews four twelve, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid before, bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. This is what we have the opportunity to read and study. And we have the spirit that we read about in the scriptures. Um, and we should never take that lightly or for granted. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it's cool. Scriptures like that um, just really give strength to... to uh, Looking into this, yeah, it's awesome that we have a scripture like that. Do you want to close? Do you want me to close? I can close. All right, cool. Lord, thank you for once again uh, uh, time to look into your word, and uh, please, I, I hope that what we've talked about will uh, possibly bring bring glory to you, and uh, I just. Thank you for the depth and the giving us guys like Melchizedek. I mean, giving us this kind of stuff to to look at and to search and to struggle with. And, and the fact that your word is what it is and it has the power that it has. Um, please, Lord, keep striking our hearts with it and give let it give light uh, for our, our path. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.